right, all right. Come on, help me one more time. Say hello to everybody who's watching online at home. We're glad you're joining. Come on, y'all can do better than that. Come on. Glad you're joining us for church and um, excited about that EXO Marriage Conference that you just saw the promo for. Um, I, I'm, I'm excited about marriage in general right now because my wife and I, the reason I wasn't here last week and Pastor Joel spoke is we took a few days off to just hang out together uh, and celebrate 20 years. On, t- on the 27th, we celebrated 20 years of marriage. And um, so most of that was just me saying thank you, God, for tricking her. And, um, and asking her, how have you done it? How have you put up with this for 20 years? Um, man, I'm so blessed. And uh, my wife's backstage right now. She was out here in the first service. But um, I'm just telling you all, you are so, so blessed to have her uh, leading this church. And um, there, there's, her fingerprints are all over this place. She doesn't get up here and communicate because that's not what God has asked her to do. But she was up here leading in worship and has just a, such a heart and a love for all of you, and um, I can't, I, God just gave me the best partner ever to go tackle life and ministry with, and, and um, I'm so thankful for that. And so y- y'all, need to, y'all need to, if you're married, you need to be at our XO conference. In fact, somebody was texting me asking about who can come and who can't this last week, and I teased them a little bit this morning, a member of our dream team. I said, hey, I, I noticed you're, you're asking about somebody else, but you're not signed up. And he said, well, I did it before. I said, oh, so you're a marriage expert now. You got it. He was like, no, no. I said, then you need to go home and score some points with your wife. Say, hey, you know what? I want to keep working on this. I love you. And um, so if you're married, y'all, y'all need to be there if you can be. It's going to be a, a really great event. In fact, I'm really impressed and proud of you in the midst of a pandemic. We might have the largest turnout for our marriage conference that we've ever had. And uh, so we got plans for it to all be safe and and distanced and, and all that kind of stuff. And we will still have Chick-fil-A. Come on, y'all. You can't, have a, you can't have a church event without Christian chicken, right? You know what I'm saying? So we will. We'll have chicken. Now, see, I said that in the first service, and they were all just like. And I was like, okay, what about barbecue? Do y'all get excited about barbecue? And they're all like, yeah, see? Come on, where are my barbecue people at? So then I learned my 8.30, our 8.30 service, I said, okay, how about Starbucks? And they're all like, yes, yes. All right, so they're the Starbucks service. Y'all are, y'all have my heart, though. You're the Chick-fil-A and the barbecue service. Come on. Um, (laughs) We also have First Wednesday coming up this week, and I think the roads will be plenty cleared and stuff by then, so uh, definitely make plans to come hang out with us and uh, share it a few weeks ago with you that originally our plan was to have these quarterly but after the first one in January, God, like, really, it was a powerful, powerful night. And uh, my wife and I have talked a lot about you guys and prayed a lot for you this year. This has been the, I know last week is when it ended, but this has been the single most powerful 21 days of prayer and fasting I've experienced since we started the church. And, um, and I'm excited about what God is doing. And I, as soon as I got home, Amanda looked at me and said, we can't make our church wait three months to do this again. Um, and so we're, we're just being intentional about creating space for us to go a little deeper in God's word, spend a little extra time in worship, and uh, spend some extra time in prayer together and um, experience God's presence together. And that's what First Wednesday is, is really all about. We don't have to stick to the schedule of a Sunday morning. And um, so I really, I want you to think about being here if you can be on First Wednesday. It's worth it. 
Uh, it'll give you a little boost in the middle of your week before you get back on all your Zoom calls on Thursday. You cannot hear an amen. All right, so uh, show up for, for First Wednesday if you can. And the next weekend is Baptism Sunday. You saw that in church news. Make sure you sign up ahead of time so that we can have your t-shirt and your shorts and all that kind of stuff. And if there's somebody in your family, a friend, or somebody that is following Jesus a little bit ahead of you, and, um, and you'd like for them to baptize you, we actually think that would be the best plan with the pandemic going on. Now, we'll have our, our team, our staff, will be ready to baptize you if, you if you need us to. We won't get in the tub with you. Uh, the water will be treated, all that kind of stuff, and we'll keep our masks on while we baptize you. But, um, but if you have someone who's a little ahead of you in their walk with Jesus, ask them, hey, would you, would you baptize me? Parents, baptizing your kids, I mean, like, it, it doesn't get any better than that. Um, so, uh, think about that. Pray about it. And if you've never uh, participated in water baptism, this is just a chance for you to go public with what God has already done on the inside. That's what, that's what water baptism is all about. All right? Okay, so i got to be real transparent with you this morning. Um, I know everybody gets nervous when you start with a statement like that. Our church will turn nine years old next month. Um, I know, isn't that crazy? A few weeks ago, I made the mistake of saying we're about to turn 10, because math is not my spiritual gift. Um, so, uh, nine. We're turn- Amanda corrected me afterwards. She's like, hey, you know, we're turning nine, right? Not 10. 2012, 2022, that's an easy one. You should, and I said, yeah, I just got it mixed up in my head. All right, so we turned nine. In the nine years of our church, I have never, ever come into a Sunday morning uh, the way I'm coming into this one. I don't, like, if you're looking in the app for notes, they're not there, because I don't want your head. I don't need your intellect this morning. I need your heart. Um, I, I normally have a whole bunch of scriptures to give you. I have two. Uh, one of them is, well, I, technically, I'm going to show you three, but one of them is the same scripture from two different translations. So I I have two scriptures, I have eight words that uh, in praying for you guys, studying and trying to prep a message for you, like this is just where God took me. And so uh, I I feel extremely uncomfortable with this. I guess I'll be a little more comfortable this service because I did it once in the last service, but uh, I'm way out of my comfort zone here. And everything I'm going to say to you this morning, I'm just trying to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. And if it's your first time here and this, like, seems different or weird or, like, I'm going to say some things that are very direct and in your face today because I just need to pastor you. I need to be your pastor today. And um, next week we start a brand new series called It's Complicated. We're going to talk about relationships, friendships, marriages, dating, all kinds of relationships. We're going to tackle that in that series. And I promise I'll be all life-giving and all that stuff, and we'll laugh and all that. But today, I just need to, um, well, let me frame it to you like this. If you call True Life your home church, what you have done is you've decided to participate in a spiritual family. You're, you're part of a family. And um, so I would just frame today like kind of a family meeting. Y'all ever had to have any of those? It's like, it's like, like, hey, we got to stop for a second. We got to get out of our normal routine, and we just need to talk about some stuff. Um, and I just feel like that's what we've got to do. We're coming off of the, 
21 days of prayer and fasting, which is, has been the most meaningful that I've had since we started the church. I think it's been the most powerful for our church uh, since we started doing that. So, and I'm experiencing like kind of a, a, a little bit of an awakening, a, a renewal in my own life. There's been a lot of tears and prayer for you guys at our house with my wife and I. Um, there's been a lot of conversations where we just look at each other and say, like, I don't want to lose what God's doing right now. Um, in fact, first Wednesday last month, I shared how concerned I am that we can get in the routine of doing church, and we get so good at it, we actually do it without God. And that is the last thing I want. So I literally have two scriptures and eight words that I wrote down. It was one page in my notes. I wasn't even sure if I was going to use the screen or not, but I thought it'll help um, to communicate this. Um, And then when I'm done, we're just going to put on some music in this room and turn it into a house of prayer. And I know that might be an uncomfortable environment for you if you've never been a part of something like that. And I just want to take all the pressure off right now. You can stay 10 seconds or 10 minutes I'm not even sure if the weather is going to let us have a third service, so you might be able to stay longer. All right, so, and you can sit in your chair, you can kneel at your chair, you can come to the altar, you can do whatever as long as you're not a distraction to other people and just talk to God because I think that's what we need to do today. Um, or if, if nothing I say today resonates with you and you're ready to go to lunch, then you go to lunch. There will be no judgment, uh, no dirty looks, none of that. I, I'm just trying to be obedient to the Holy Spirit today. Are you all okay with that? Okay, so I have um, this one scripture that has really been resonating with me lately uh, in Habakkuk chapter 3. And this is like, Habakkuk's a little tiny book in your Bible in the Old Testament. And he, at the the time that he writes this, uh, Judah, the nation of Judah, is going through a lot of stuff. Um, They've had some bad leaders and Um, a lot of turmoil, a lot of dysfunction. And I don't know if you know this or not, but spiritual families can have just as much dysfunction as your family that, like, you grew up with. (laughs) Um, In fact, I think a lot of times people have unrealistic expectations of churches. They don't realize this is a family, and families have dysfunction. Can I hear an amen? (laughs) In fact, sometimes I think we might have more dysfunction, because this is where all of it comes to the surface, so God can help us work on it. And I know, because I'm the one that's always trying to help fix it. There's a lot of it. There's a lot of it. So there's a lot of this going on, and Habakkuk, the book starts with Habakkuk saying to God, basically, why God, and how long till you do something about it? And then God responds and says, hey dude, I got it. Here's my plan. Write it down. And by chapter 3, Habakkuk's attitude is starting to change. He's starting to have hope again. And he writes this, it's basically a song, and it's a prayer. And, it, and, he, and he says this in verse 2. He says, God, I, I heard all about you. And this is one of my great fears leading a church, that we would have people who hear about God but never know God hear what God can do, but never experience what God can do in their life. He says, I'm filled with awe by your amazing works. In this time of our deep need, help us. Everybody say that next word right there. Again. Again. Help us again, as you did in years gone by. 
And in your anger, remember your mercy. This uh, passage of scripture right here is what inspired the lyrics that the guys at Elevation, when they wrote that song, uh, do it again. I've seen you move the move the mountains, and I believe I'll see you do it again. You made a way where there was no way, and I believe I'll see you do it again. Those are powerful lyrics, aren't they? That's what inspired this. And um, I want to show you the same passage of Scripture, but from the message. And I want to qualify this a little bit, because the message is not actually a translation. It's a paraphrase. It's a thought-for-thought look at the Scriptures that tries to communicate the heart of what's going on there. And, and most of the time it gets it right, but it misses in a few places. Um, sometimes people will ask me, like, what's the best translation for me to read? And I always say, the one you'll read. So, so like, there's endless options. Find the one you'll actually read and read it. Like, whatever one will help you establish the habit of getting into God's Word, let's start there, and then we'll dig into all the other stuff as you develop your walk with Jesus. Come on, can I hear an amen this morning? Like, don't overthink it. Just go to the one that you'll actually start with. The message is fine if that's where you start. But this particular thought on this passage is really, man, it, this is like, this is right, like I couldn't say any better where I'm at right now than the way this is. God, I've heard what our ancestors say about you, and I'm stopped in my tracks. Like, I've heard about miracles you've done for people. I've heard how you can heal people. I've heard how you can put relationships back together and heal families. I've heard about how somebody can walk into your presence with an addiction and have such a strong encounter with you that they walk away and never touch it ever again. Like, I've, I've, I've heard about it, God. But I don't want to just hear about it. I'm stopped in my tracks, down on my knees, do among us what you did among them. In my generation, like, mirac- like, like miracles, like I got somebody right now who I'm thinking of, who they have a terrible health diagnosis. It gets bad. And I'm just saying, God, do right now what we know you've done before. Make the doctors look at the reports and go, we can't explain this. You're Okay. You're fine. Are you, come on, y'all with me this morning? And I, I'm going to have some intensity today. I went to somebody who I trust after the first service, and I was like, was I too mean? Was I too direct? They're like, no, I think you think you're worse than you are. And I'm like, okay. Cause... Work among us as you worked among them. I, a friend of mine, I, I missed it on Wednesday, man. A friend of mine is dealing with some health stuff and some migraines and stuff like that, and Right as they were talking, I felt like I need to just pray for them right now. And I, like I didn't. And I should have. Because I want to see God move. I don't want to just hear stories about it. I want to be right in the middle of it. Y'all with me? And so I, I've just got, I've got eight words. The first four words are stuff that I see kind of in our church and in our society right now, things that people have going on, they're dealing with, they're trying to work through. Um, some of them are just observations, and I just felt like I'm supposed to share them with you. 
today. Here's the first observation I would make about all of us, really about our society right now. There's a whole lot of pain, like a lot. A lot of people hurting. I don't know if you've ever dealt with like excruciating pain, but all logic and all reason disappears when you're in enough pain. And I look at even like the last 12, 14, 18 months in our country. And I've had so many moments where I just feel like, what is happening? Pain. So much pain. And pain will get you to a tipping point. And when you get to that tipping point, man, especially if you don't have Jesus as the hope of your heart and the Savior of your soul, you will not do things that make sense. You will not do things that are logical or healthy or helpful. Say amen if you understand what I'm saying this morning. A lot of pain, a lot of people in pain. And I think one of the mistakes I've made, one of the mistakes churches make, especially in the kind of, so you've got Christian culture, but within Christian culture, you've got little pockets of Christian subculture so, like, I come from a subculture of, um, like, charismatic Pentecostal evangelicals. Um, and some of you probably don't even realize that because I got so turned off by people being weird in church that I always said, like, God, I don't, I don't want to pastor a weird church. <laughs> so that's one of the reasons, like, I love small groups because if you want to do weird spiritual stuff, you can go do it in your small group, and I don't have to be there. So <laughs> I'm just, I told you I'm going to be raw this morning, all right? Is that okay? Um, but, I've, like, I've been around all that stuff, and, and a lot of times it's, it's authentic. But one of, the, one of the mistakes we make, I think, in evangelical Christianity is we don't acknowledge pain. When people are hurting, we say, oh, well, you just need to pray more. Oh, you just need to read your Bible a little bit more. We, we just, you just, if you just, if you just have enough faith, you're going to be all right. And while all of those things might be true, the first thing we got to do is stop and say, hey, I recognize that hurts. I, I hate that you're dealing, like I've had to figure this out this year, you guys. Look, I've had to stop and go, oh, this hurts and I just need to let it hurt for a little bit. I need to feel it. I need to process through it. Are y'all tracking with me this morning? Like you got to acknowledge the pain. Several years ago, we had a small group playing flag football. And, and I, so I was out there playing flag football. And Kevin Twitchell, who plays guitar right up there, he illegally tackled me during the game of, of flag football and um, twisted my knee. He didn't. And then a couple months later, I ran over him with a minivan in Florida at a, con- at a church conference and messed up his knee. I'm not kidding. You guys, we, he was in front of me in the parking lot. He wouldn't move. Was, um, <laughs> so I went to the doctor. And I want you to imagine if I'd gone to the doctor and the doctor was just like, you're fine. Get out of here. How many know I'm going to go look for a new doctor? Because I don't trust you to treat me if you won't acknowledge the legitimacy of my pain first. Are y'all tracking with me this morning? 
So I, I know some of you are sitting in church right now, and you come to church every week, and you put on the face, and you say all the churchy things, and you do all the Christian stuff, but deep down in your heart, like, you're hurting. You're in pain. And I just want to say, on behalf of Christians everywhere, for every time that we have created an atmosphere where you didn't feel like you could bring that pain to the surface and have it be acknowledged for what it is? Do we wanna see healing and restoration and God do a miracle in your life? Absolutely, but first things first, it's okay to say, hey, this sucks. Gotta have your pain acknowledged. And I don't know about you, I'm so thankful. Here's my only other scripture for today. For a God who acknowledges our pain, Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Like, hey, if you're hurting today, that doesn't make you farther away from God. That doesn't disqualify you from what God wants to do in your life. If anything, he's more with you right now. He's more interested in you right now. He wants to walk with you more than ever right now in the season of pain that you're in. And there's a lot of it right now. A lot of pain. The cool thing about pain... (laughs) and I know it sounds weird to say that, is I don't think God creates all the pain that we deal with. I think it's the result of sin and the living in a fallen world and bad choices that we make and other people make that in, inflict pain on us and an enemy who hates us. But you know what I love about my Jesus? Is he is incredibly gifted at taking pain and producing miracles. Like I don't, Y'all, I don't get to stand right here unless that's true. You're looking at a little insecure, poor, dysfunctional, literally a redheaded stepchild, white trash, trailer trash kid who lived through abuse and divorce and remarriage and never knowing if my life was gonna amount to anything. And the God of the universe stepped into my life and said, I'll be your father. I got a plan for you. I'll do something with your life. I'll give you confidence. I'll give you purpose. I'll give you a calling. I'll take your pain and make it a part of your story and it's gonna encourage people and lead people into the presence of God and into, into miracles and restoration and into heaven, not hell. Like, God does his best stuff with pain, everybody. He does his best stuff with pain. But we have to acknowledge it first. Second word. A lot of uncertainty. Have you felt that way? Have you had any moments where you're looking around and you're like going, there's stuff I thought was a sure deal that doesn't feel like a sure deal anymore. Like Georgia went Democrat. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> and some of you are, you're feeling offended that I even say that. And for you, I would refer back to my first point, pain. A <laughs> lot, lot of uncertainty. A lot of stuff that people feel like they can't count on. And again, I think God does really amazing stuff out of seasons of uncertainty. Habakkuk went to God in a season of uncertainty and was like, God, what do we do? What do we do? And the thing is, Habakkuk doing that, he did the thing that you do 
during uncertainty. You go to God. In pain and uncertainty, you go to God. Which leads me to the, the third observation I would make that, that I see happening in our church, that I see happening in society, is a growing sense of spiritual dissatisfaction. And I don't mean this in a negative way. Like, I have this right now. Like, I find myself going, God, you're up to something and I want to be right in the middle of it. There's more. Some of you felt, you felt this like, there's got to be more to this, right? There, there's, like, I've never seen, it's in pockets right now, but I think it's spreading. I've never seen as much spiritual hunger in our church, hunger for God to show up, hunger to experience God's presence and God's goodness, hunger to be a part of what God is doing. I've never seen it in this church like I see it right now. And I, like, I, like I have it right now. It's like, it's like you've had some appetizers, but you never got the full, like the main meal. You know what I'm saying? So you're like, I, I'm, I'm, okay, bring on the main course. I'm ready for the main course. Can I hear an Amen. That's just how my brain works, is in food thought. <laughs> there's, there's spiritual dissatisfaction. So there's like, there's pain, there's uncertainty, there's this growing sense of like, there's got to be more than this. And then there's a response to those three things. And the other thing that I see happening in our church, and this is a warning to some of you, and I'm just, it's not my intention to hurt your feelings or step on your toes. But I'm going to describe three groups because I think there's a separation going on in the body of Christ right now. I sat with a group of pastors. We hosted a prayer meet up here, a group of pastors from our area who got together and we just prayed for each other and prayed for 2021 and spent time with each other. And I said, I think I see these three groups. And I told them the three groups and all of them were like, yep, we see that in our church too. So out of the pain and the uncertainty and the spiritual dissatisfaction, group number one is a group of people who's just, their response to everything has just to be to go complacent. Just head in the sand, back off from healthy habits. This is the people, Pastor Perry called you out a couple weeks ago, and I'm going to call you out right now. You're not staying away from church because you have a legitimate need or because you're high risk, or you work somewhere that's high risk, you're staying away from church because you've gotten into the habit of being away from church, and you're too lazy right now to break the habit. And listen, there's a lot of legitimate reasons not to gather in person right now. A lot. And, and those are all valid. Laziness is not one of them. Complacency is not one of them. This is not the time to take your foot off of the spiritual accelerator, accelerator. This is the time, this is the season to mash it to the floor. Complacent. There's another group that in this season has become hard-hearted. So complacent is just kind of disengaged, but you're not, you're just like, eh, whatever. I'll, I'll re-engage when things get better. And the problem with that thinking is you're the thing God wants to use to make things get better. But then there's the people who've become hard-hearted. And they're just like, I've had enough. I'm fed up. 
And I'm sorry that you're there, and I'm sorry that pain and uncertainty has brought you to that place. But you're going to need to have a moment in God's presence where the Holy Spirit can break up the hardness of your heart, create tenderness. Again, I talked about that earlier in the series, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. But then there's a third group that is the one that has me really excited. There's some complacency, there's some hard-heartedness, but then there's a group who's right now, like more than ever, is like, I need Jesus. I want God. I want whatever God has for me. I want to participate in it. I want to be there when it happens. I shared um, in our Wednesday prayer a couple weeks ago, and I shared it with our staff. In, in the book of Matthew, there's a, a story of Jesus. He's on his way between stops teaching, and a leader of the synagogue comes and tracks down Jesus, and he says, hey, my kid died. Jesus, I, like, I need your help. My kid died. And these words jumped off the page of the Bible at me. He said, my kid died, but I know you can. Words of faith. I know you can bring them back. Will you come to my house? And Jesus responds to that man's faith and changes his journey to go to that man's house. While he's on his way there, the Bible says a woman with an issue of bleeding She's coming after Jesus, and she's thinking, the, the Bible says, if I can just get close enough to touch his robe, I know he'll heal me. And boy, it jumped off the page at me. You know where I want to live my life? At the intersection of he can, and if I can just be close enough, if I can just be in proximity when he does it, anything is possible. And there's people right now who that's where you're at. You're like, give me more. That's what... The pandemic hadn't done a lot of things that I like, but one of the things it has done is it's brought people who are coming to church who are going, Pastor, you don't have to make me feel all good. We don't have to play tiddlywinks. You don't have to, you don't have to worry about my feelings. Just give it to me, man. Like, give me the Bible. Give me the Word. Help me figure out what God wants me to do with my life, and let's roll. Like, let's go. We don't need to play games. Let's go. And that third group, man, I'm fired up, because guess what? We can change the world together. We can change the world together. I think actually what we could be a part of, if we steward it well, if we stay hungry for God, I think we could be a part of the next great move of God. Like in our generation. Like if Jesus doesn't come back for another hundred years, I mean like the kind of move of God that when kids go to Bible college and seminary a hundred years from now, it's one of the things they have to read about when they read about church history. The great move of 2021 and beyond where the church got hungry and the church fasted and prayed and people believe that God didn't just write about things that he used to do, but he wants to do them in our generation, right? Like I think we could be a part of that. A movement. So I thought, What's a movement? So I went to the dictionary, and it says, it's an abundance of events or incidents. So not like, hey, the occasional salvation, the occasional restored family, the occasional miracle. No, 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 an abundance. That's what I want. That's what I'm asking God to do in my lifetime. An abundance of events or incidents, rapid progress of events. Oh, come on, y'all. Yeah. Rapid. And here's the thing. 
You know what that describes for me? You know what I would call this? I would call it spiritual momentum. Spiritual momentum. Like the, the ball just gets rolling and you get enough people hungry for God, seeking the face of God, submitted to God, serving God. Come on, y'all. You ain't gonna be able to stop that thing. Like an avalanche of God's presence. Like a good, healthy, not hurting people avalanche of God's presence. And here's the thing about momentum. I said this Wednesday night to a friend that we, I was praying with. Momentum cannot exist without movement. And too many times in my life, I've been guilty of sitting there going, well, hey God, are you gonna move? And I think God is going, I don't know, Michael, are you gonna move? You gonna do anything? You gonna fast? You gonna, you gonna trust me? You gonna lean into my word? You actually gonna have the guts to stop and when you see an opportunity for a miracle, ask me for it? Pray for somebody? Our last night of Wednesday night prayer during 21 days of prayer, I felt like God said like, hey, just pray for a couple people, anoint them with oil. So I, it's so hilarious, y'all. I had anointing oil and hand sanitizer. <laughs> so like I pray for somebody and I'm, next. <laughs> Seriously. I thought maybe two or three people, there's a couple people God put in my heart. I think every single person in the room wanted prayer. God taught me something there. Like, to just, just be obedient. Like, I'll take care of the rest. Just do what I tell you to do. So I, my last four words are how I think we, as a, as a spiritual family, participate in a move of God. There is no momentum without movement. So my whole, like the wind today, would be as if you move your tail. Like just move, like just move towards God. Because if we all move towards God, we'll get the ball rolling. You with me? Um, so here's the first one, and I'm gonna be, I, I'm just telling you, I'm being direct today. If it's your first time, I'll be way more like lighthearted and stuff next weekend, I promise. All right. Surrender. The first move you make to experience a move of God is to be completely surrendered to God. Like, hey God, I am not the boss of me. You are. I have a deep concern that too many people have misunderstood what it means to come into a relationship with Jesus. We think if I get saved, God will change everything for me. No, 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 no. You don't get saved so that God can change everything. You get saved so that God can change you. I didn't get in a relationship with Jesus and his agenda was not to fix all my circumstances. His agenda is to fix me. The thing in my life that needs to change the most at any given moment is me. 
And the only way I've got a shot at becoming who God wants me to be in this life, at participating in a real move of God, is to be surrendered to God. My life is not mine, God. It's yours. And whatever you tell me to do, I will do it. No questions asked. Surrender. And I have three areas of my life that I surrender. And I'm just going to share these with you. I think they probably apply to everyone, but there's probably more. I don't know. And the first one is, I am surrendered to the authority of God's word, the scriptures. There are times I read the Bible and I think, really God, does it have to be that way? I don't really like that. But I'm not God, you are. And so I surrender to the authority of your word. You've spoken. By the way, Jesus modeled it for us. Right before he went to the cross, when he said, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will be done, but yours. Oh my goodness. Thank you, Jesus, for modeling surrender, for surrender to us. None of us get to be here today even having this conversation had you not shown us what surrender looks like. Surre- I, have to, I have to surrender to the authority of God's word. I also surrender to the promptings of the Holy Spirit in my life. That's what today is. I have no notes I, don't, I didn't want to do this. When I saw a snowstorm coming, I thought, oh, thank God. I'm serious. I was like, I can, God, I can just skip it and we'll go to the It's Complicated series. I, I must not have heard from you. Thank you, Jesus. I, literally, that's what I thought. I was up till 2 o'clock in the morning watching the radar last night going, yeah, God, you're going you're gonna to bail me out? Lord Jesus, snow? He didn't. I'm obedient to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Not as much as I'd like to be. That's the one I miss probably more than any others because there's times he asks me to do stuff and I'm like, I'm not doing that. Like, hey, go ask that stranger over there if they go to church anywhere. I'm not doing that, God. I'll be one of those crazy Christians. Here's what I've decided, though. It's probably better for a person who's bound for hell to have a conversation with a crazy Christian than no Christian at all. So like I'm, I'm surrendering and in the response to that surrender is a new level of boldness. And then I'm surrendered to spiritual authority in my life. People who God has placed in my life to have authority over me. And I've chosen to submit. In fact, I think a lot of what I'm experiencing, I'm experiencing some spiritual renewal in my life right now. And I think a lot of that is connected to a conversation I had in December with my pastor. Where he, in a way, really nobody else could say it to me, said, Michael, I can't help you unless you tell me what's really going on. we got to get it out of the dark and into the light. And then we can work on it and God's going to show up and move in your life. And this is two years in a row that we've had conversations like that. One of them was to your benefit and you don't even know about it. 
Like there were some decisions I was making that was holding the church back. I was operating kind of in a poverty mentality. And right after I stopped doing that and I let our overseers do what they're supposed to do, um, literally within two weeks, almost a quarter of a million dollars was given to our church. I'm trying to encourage y'all to surrender. You know what I'm saying? Like surrender. And you, I think you do need to, like if you call True Life home, I'm, I'm gonna do the best I can. I'm always gonna give you the Bible and I'm gonna love you as much as I possibly can. I can't promise you I'm gonna be perfect. But if this is your spiritual family and we call a play, you need to run the play. And if you can't run the play, you need to go find a spiritual family where you feel comfortable being surrendered to the leadership. Nobody wants to amen me right now except people who work here. They're like, come on, y'all. Surrender is a part of the deal. Surrender. And then when we surrender to God, that's going to lead us to repent. Because when I'm surrendered, the Holy Spirit can start going, okay, I want to tweak this a little bit in your life. Michael, I need you to work on this. I need you to tweak this over here a little bit. Michaela, you, oh, you're there. Look at that. I was just about to ask for you. <laughs> wow. Did like God tell you to come out and then you surrendered? That's awesome. All right. Here's what repentance is. Repentance is when either through the authority of God's word, through the authority of the Holy Spirit, or through the authority of spiritual leadership in my life, I become aware that I am not doing things the way God would want me to do them. And so, I turn. Hey God, I realize that I've grown complacent and I've been pulling back from spiritual family and community and I haven't been going to church and I haven't been in a small group and I've, maybe you're doing church online but you're only tuning in once a week. So what do you do? Today, God's trying to get your attention. You say, okay, God, I surrender, and now I turn. I'm going to change it. Can I just say something about church attendance real quick? There's a fascinating poll that just came out from Gallup. They do this every year. They survey Americans, and they ask, has your mental health gotten better or worse this year? And so they did the survey for 2020, and there's like, I, it's a ton of demographic groups that they break it down by. Age, race, gender, career type, income level. Do you have kids? Do you not have kids? Are you married? Are you single? Like all of these different demographics. And all of them in, in 2020 said my mental health got worse. 100%. They even asked like, do you attend church once a month? And people said, like, who attend church once a month said, my mental health got worse. And they said, well, what if you attend two or three times a month? This is a secular survey. And they said, my mental health got worse. Out of the entire Gallup poll, there is one demographic who said in 2020, my mental health improved. One. You want to know who they are? 
is people who said, I participated in worship weekly, every week. I made a priority out of family, spiritual family and community. I'm just saying, like, I think our lives have gotten so full of so much stuff and we rationalize it out in our head and we go, that's okay, we'll miss a little bit for this or we'll miss a little bit for that or our kids have to play in 38 different sports and so we'll, you know, we'll just take spring off from church. And I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm just saying like, there's something to that. What some of us need to do today is surrender and repent from all the stuff in our life that has creeped up the priority list and we didn't even mean to do it, but unintentionally we moved God down the priority list. And we're reaping some of the results. So repent. Make the change. And when you do, I think you'll start to experience what I'm experiencing right now, which is what I would call renewal. And I just, I'm telling y'all, it feels so good. It feels so good. And this is the thing that like, Amanda and I have prayed for you guys and we want so bad for you. I don't want you just to be weekly church attenders. I want you to experience spiritual renewal. I want the fire of God alive on the inside of you. I want you walking around with confidence that my God is real, that he is in me, that he is with me, that he's got a plan for me, that even if I mess it up, he's so good and he's so sovereign and he's so powerful, he's got a way to get it right back on track for me. Like I, I want this for our church. It's why I'm begging you to be at First Wednesday because we create space for this. And I want you to experience it. And then when we do this, when we surrender and we make a habit of repentance, repentance is a one-time thing, by the way. It's like a daily thing of being like, oh God, oh, don't do that. Do that. Okay. All right. That's what I'll, it's, it's a daily thing. Then you'll start to experience some renewal. Then we all get to participate in this old churchy word called Revival. And you know what revival really is? It's dead things coming back to life. Like, thank God, for my, my, my dad, the guy I grew up calling my dad, I'll never forget, I was in a Wednesday night in the parking lot of Faith Assembly of God in Orlando, Florida, right after a youth service, and my cell phone rang, and it was my mom. Hey, your dad had a heart attack, and it's bad. And I just kind of crumpled in the parking lot because I wasn't ready. And they took him to this little hospital in Warrensburg, Missouri. And he coded right after they took him behind the desk. He said, I feel funny. They took him back behind the desk and he coded. And they took those little paddles. And I remember when I, went, I got on an airplane the next day. He was alive in the hospital. The marks on his, one right here and one right here. He wasn't complaining about them. They put in a, a defibrillator. They gave us five more years with my dad. All, all of the healing in my relationship with him happened during those five years after he was revived. He was gone. <coughs> Brought back. You know what I'm praying for? 
I want to lead a church where people are so tuned into the Spirit of God, so hungry for God, so believing in faith that God wants to move, that time after time after time, people are going to walk through those doors and they're not going to have Jesus living on the inside of them. They're going to be spiritually dead, bound for hell, and they're going to walk into this place and they're going to experience something that they can't, they can't articulate, that they can't describe, but they're going to know that there's something going on here that they don't have in here. And at the end of every service, we're going to say, hey, you want to come know Jesus? And they're going to come right back to life into relationship with Jesus. That's what revival looks like, everybody. Pretty sure that's what it sounds like, too. Surrender, repentance, renewal, revival. There's probably more that God's up to. I just, I had, this is all I, I spent a whole day going, God, are you sure? And I just, it's a family meeting. So I'm gonna ask you to stand to your feet and in just a second, we're gonna just turn on some music. And when we do, what I'd like you to do is just figure out where am I at on that deal? Some of us need to surrender to Jesus. Some for the very first time, like you don't follow Jesus. He's not your Lord and Savior. But just like I described a second ago, as you're sitting here in this service or you're watching online, you're going, there's something here that I've, like these people have something that I don't have. We just have a relationship with Jesus. That's all we have. And that first moment of surrender looks like this. You just say, Jesus, I'm surrendering my life to you. I believe you died on the cross. You paid the price for my sins that I couldn't pay on my own. Three days later, you rose again. And you broke the curse of sin off my life. And from this day on, I am surrendered to you. This isn't my life anymore. It's your life. Some of us prayed that salvation prayer a long time ago, but you you just took control again. It's the single hardest part of pastoring a church in the state that has the highest per capita number of PhDs. Because I'll say, hey, you know, if you would just do this, because the Bible says it, and people are like, wow, well, I don't know, I need to go research that. Come on. Surrender. Somebody need to surrender to, somebody know, like people have been telling you the thing you need to do and you're just not doing it. And you need to surrender and repent. I've had people say some of the weirdest things to me in my years of ministry. Like, hey, hey, our, we're in trouble. Our family's in trouble. We need a miracle. And I'll say, okay, look, here's what the Bible says. Let's do this, 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 and this. I say, well, I don't know, Pastor. You, you haven't been married as long as me. And I think, you know what that's the equivalent of? It's like you're in a bad car accident, mangled up, trapped inside fighting for your life and the rescue crew comes along and they get the jaws of life out and before they start cutting you out of the car you stop and you say hold on I need to know how many years have you spent cutting people out of cars because if it's not as many as I'd like it to be I'd like you to go back to the firehouse and I'm going to get on Google and look for somebody else on my cell phone here real quick Like, you realize how ludicrous that is, right? Stop reasoning 
Stop trying to find all the reasons why you shouldn't surrender to what God is clearly telling you to do with your life and just do it, man. Just do it. He's waiting, like all the stuff that he wants to pour into your life. He's just waiting for you to stop being in control of everything and say, here you go, God. I don't know what else to do anymore. I'm all yours. What do you want? Surrender. And in that surrender, he's going to point out things that he wants to change. So repent, change, and then enjoy the renewal and get ready for the revival, baby. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. So I don't know where you're at on that. But I'm going to pray for you right now. And then we're just going to turn this into a house of prayer. We got 15 minutes till the next service starts. If we're having another service, I told our team to decide and put it on social media. I don't even know right now. You can stay into the next service if you want. You can, you can stay here and pray during worship. You can pray during the next sermon. I don't really care. If, if you need 10 seconds and you're good, you can leave. You stay as long as you want. So Heavenly Father, you know where our hearts are at today. I'm so far out of my comfort zone right now. But I think this is what you told me to do. And I just want to be obedient to you, God. And I want people to experience your presence in their lives. So help us to surrender. In our pain, help us to surrender. In our uncertainty, help us to surrender. God, I pray that each and every person who's listening right now would be a part of that faithful remnant who is hungry for you, not complacent, not hard-hearted, but running to you, God, because you are the only one. You have all of the answers. You have all the plans. God, I pray for hearts of repentance today that we would turn in the areas of our lives that you point out, we would turn, God. We would make the change. And Lord, I pray that every single person would experience an awakening, God, a renewal, a fresh encounter with your love, your presence, your anointing, your grace, your mercy. We pray for miracles, God. We pray for the supernatural in our generation, in our lifetime, God. We, we ask you to move. Make history happen, God. In front of our eyes, we want to participate in revival. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, take as much time as you want. You're officially dismissed. This is a house of prayer for the next few minutes. I know this is not how we normally end service. It's just, this is a one-time thing for today. So you can sit, you can stand, you can come kneel here in this altar area if you want. You can walk the auditorium or you can leave if you're good to go. I love you guys so much. God bless you all.